everybody. I'm Matt. And I'm Buddy. And welcome to the first ever Music Universe podcast. Now, just like when I started my first show five years ago, this podcast is just plug it in and see what we can do and just have fun with it. Buddy and I talk on the phone all the time, although today is more than just us talking. We have a pretty cool guest, don't we, Buddy? Oh, yeah. This one, this one I'm really excited about. Oh, my God. Do you listen to Toto? Yeah, I actually do. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's awesome. We, we, we listen to a lot of country music. You and I, we talk a lot about country music. But Toto is one of those bands where you know the music when it comes on in the store or comes on in the car. But you don't think right. about what an amazing history that band has. Yeah, I, I agree. They got some great musicians, some virtuosos in there. And uh, we get to talk to one of them. Steve Lukather, he actually corrected me. I said you are the uh, longest continuing member of of uh, Toto. And he said, actually, no. He said, Pake's been with us. He said, we have people come and go. I said, yes. I said, but you are the longest who's been with throughout everything. You haven't left and come back. He said, that's exactly right. So it, he had to correct me, but not. I knew what I was asking. And it's true. <laughs> He's been with them forever. And the dude, have you seen his hair? He looks like freaking Albert Einstein, jet black hair. <laughs> I know. I, I know a few people with that hairstyle. It's really a cool hairstyle. And he, he seemed like he was a really cool guy when you chatted with him, too. Oh, my favorite kinds of interviews are the ones where I don't get a word in edgewise because that means the person I'm talking to has has fun. And I know you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, sometimes you get those people where you just have to keep asking the question and you have to ask more and more and then eventually you run out and they end up being like three to five minutes, whereas this one was like almost like what 30 minutes and you ask like maybe three or four questions yeah exactly because and you'll hear on the tape because i don't edit this stuff out i try to interrupt him i try to and it like you know <laughs> i tried to transition but i'm not going to interrupt the legend i'm just not no. going to do that you know uh, so i'm like yeah actually and he keeps going like you'll hear me cut myself off but you know what those are my favorite people say you need to learn not to do that you need to learn to just shut up i've i'm trained to steer a conversation but i love it when when the guest takes over and and doesn't shut up i love that i and i told him i said look i said i didn't have to go to work today you did my job for me thank you <laughs> Be yeah it definitely makes the job easier because a lot of what he was saying was questions I had anyway. So that was good. It's good when he can just – and you could tell he loves talking about his line of work and he loves talking about what he does. The thing that surprised me the most in my research for this – and you're a player, so maybe you could tell me – is it, well, you don't play guitar. You play drums. But he, right. he screwed up his rotator cuff. And I don't quite understand – even how he can play guitar with an unoperated on both his shoulders are bad, how he could even, if it were me, the pain would radiate and I wouldn't be able to do anything. Do, do you have any idea how he could still pick like that? Well, uh, yeah, that's kind of tough. I mean, he's, I'm sure bearing through the pain probably on some type of meds to help with that. But I mean, as a drummer, you're constantly using your arms and as a guitarist, too, I mean, you're getting into it. You're There's an exercise to it, really. I mean, you're exercising when you're playing music. Most people don't see that or don't think about that. But 
you're definitely moving constantly. You're picking that thing up. You're, you know, it's a lot of weight on your shoulders. So I am not sure how he d does it, but I, that's awesome that he can do it and still deal with that. And you guys discuss that and you discuss why he's not really moving with surgery. And it, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, it does. You mentioned something. You texted me. This is out of context, and I forget what he was saying, but grudge fudge? What was that all about? It was so, <laughs> what did you notice with grudge fudge? It wasn't fudge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had, um, it was just something that he said, um, you know, kind of getting into the context of it. Yeah, he got really. He's an open book. He's super chill. He he tells you like it is, and he's not afraid to share that side of the business. Like he says, it's a music business. Mm -hmm. People think it's music. You go, you play music, you get paid. Great, that's it. You're done. You you go to the next show. That's not the case. He is actually their manager as well, so he's more in in tune to all the things that a an outsider wouldn't even think about even a band member may not think about mm -hmm. he's chasing people for payments for this for that and he talked about some uh litigations that uh, of course are gag orders so he can't really even talk about it but he mentioned that term somewhere in there and it just i thought it was great isn't it interesting how many people we work with that are their own, like, uh, I say work with artists that we hit up, that we get to go to these shows and cover and have for interviews, like Charlie Daniels. They do everything in-house. Um, who else does everything in-house that we've we've talked about? Oh, the Oak Ridge Boys have a home mm -hmm. office. A lot of these, yeah. I, I hesitate to use the term legacy bands, but a lot of these artists that don't need to be playing the game so much anymore, they are their own operation, and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I, I think it helps keep costs down to an extent, but it helps them to be able to more or less control where things are being sent, how, how things are being run. And honestly, um, when I get back to playing, uh, that's the way I'm going to do it, just because I've been screwed over by too many people, as you know, Luke will talk about, that it just isn't fun to work with a lot of outside people because uh, there's a trust thing in there, you know? Yeah, and one thing we published on the site, speaking of trust and getting screwed over, is that the 40 Tours Around the Sun was coming out as a CD and DVD. But yeah. I, it was one of those weird, like, alternate reality things where you think, have I entered a parallel universe? Because <laughs> I just bought a couple of songs on iTunes from 40 Tours back in, like, July or August – and it was already on iTunes for about a year. And I asked him about that. I said, so is this a re-release? Why is it already? He goes, lawsuit, and I can't talk about it. Did yeah. anything you well, get, anything we reported on the site, because you're the news guy, anything we come down, explain why it came out and then it didn't? Like, what's going on with that 40 Tours release? Well, it threw me for a loop because I'm like, man. I know I published this already, and sometimes you just get that random second press release thrown in there months later, like, what's up with this? And sometimes it's because things were delayed and they didn't announce that uh, in another release or something, or somehow it got overlooked. So back in February, uh, it was posted um, that, yeah, Eagle Rock is releasing the Toto 40 Tours Around the Sun 
multi-format release. We're talking a CD Blu-ray combo, CD DVD combo, double CD, and a triple vinyl orange blue starburst swirl finish, uh, as well as digital um, formats. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. That that's great. That's out. Then <laughs> early September, I get another one saying multi-format release coming out. Like, wait a minute. So I went back through, looked at it. This time, it's in North America. So the hmm. latest one, it was never released here. It must have just, ah. ideal. it must have been released, planning to release it here. And then I guess with the litigation, they pushed it back. So it must have been released in the rest of the world. And now it's just now coming here, um, to, well, September 20th. So, um, and it was also... Parts of it were released September 30th. So what they did was release a two-CD, three-LP um, on the 20th, and the digital video and audio were released uh, the week before. Uh, so then DVD and Blu-ray versions will be released on November 15th. So for whatever reason, they're staging it uh, over the course of two months that this thing's actually going to uh, come out here. So um, that, you know, it, it kind of makes sense maybe the litigation that he can't speak about uh, dealt with uh, North American rights, whereas the rest of the world could have uh, received it already. Yeah, and I'm just so glad that he was as candid as he was about speaking on the lawsuit in the way that he did. And his candidness, I almost asked, although I didn't, I don't do gotcha questions, but I think I could have framed it really well, but I didn't get the chance to go there. He played on the Thriller album. Uh, for Michael Jackson. And oh, yeah. so kind of the glaring journalistic question you have to ask is, what did he think of Finding Neverland? What did he think of everything that went on in the 90s and 2000s with the trial? And what does he think of radio not playing Michael Jackson? Uh, I didn't get to talk to him about that, but that would be one of those things where if he would ever come back and we would get to talk to him again, I would certainly, as long as he's comfortable talking about it and giving his thoughts, uh, I would be interested just because not that he was part of Michael's inner circle or anything. He was a session musician and he did stuff with, you know, with him in the studio. Yeah. I don't know that he knew him day to day, but I, as somebody who helped create music that's going to last generations, I would be very interested in his opinion, at least on what it's like not to have that music played at radio, at least for the time being. Yeah. I mean, I don't listen to radio myself, especially that format, the, the mm -hmm. pop format. So I didn't realize Michael Jackson wasn't getting radio play, but a lot of legends aren't unless it's, an, an older station, but, um, that would probably need another, uh, 30 minute uh, chat with him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You could probably ask him one and he'll, he'll go on about it. But, uh, it, it is interesting because, uh, the members of Toto together have thousands and there are just thousands of credits to them with Thriller being one of them. So it's really cool that, um, you know, they were in Toto and then they branched out, did their, session stuff as well in the midst of doing the Toto stuff and now they're back doing the 40 years around the world tour and uh, or 40 tours around the world and um, I don't know I something senses it might come to an end soon yes and I talked to him about that because 
the magazine had quoted him saying that Toto, as it exists in its current, will cease to exist in its current form after this tour, and it'll be fun to do it one last time. And he said the lawsuit just really kind of walloped them, you know, right when they were getting big in the States. Apparently, I didn't know this because, I mean, Africa is so ubiquitous, and of course I know Rosanna and some of their other stuff. I never realized that they weren't that they struggled in the States, but were huge in Europe. And with the way Africa has kind of become a meme with everybody covering it from Weezer yeah. to Jimmy Fallon and all of this, Africa is finding their, or excuse me, Toto is fine because of Africa. Toto is finding their audience in the U S playing these theaters. And now he said, we're going to go on a break. And he says, whether or not it'll come back remains to be seen. So he's not saying entirely, but the lawsuit just, wallop them and they need to regroup so that's kind of what that what that meant uh and it was kind of truncated in that publication i think for for clarity yeah. uh, but it just made it a little bit more ominous and so we talked a little bit about that and they are on tour they're coming to new jersey uh they're going all over buddy you have your laptop open do you have their tour dates open uh you know i do yeah they uh they kick it off uh september 20th in los angeles uh, with stops in Phoenix, Vegas, Salt Lake City, Denver, you know, some in the Midwest, Nashville, Chicago, Birmingham, Atlanta. And then they're hitting your neck of the woods in the Northeast. You're actually attending the Eaglewood, New Jersey show. Yes. So that's on October 16th. And then they wrap it in Red Bank, New Jersey on the 19th. Yeah. So after October 19th, he said it'll it'll kind of cease to exist. And so we wanted to get this out so that anybody who's a Toto fan as they tour the country goes and sees them because this could be it. And yeah, I hope it, it isn't. I hope it isn't. But well, it could these, be. these are the final 20 dates. And um, it's been the longest tour for years for the band. Um you know, they, they were in Europe last year. It saw them saw them performing literally almost sold out stops with 17,000 seats in Amsterdam. And then again, the Royal Albert Hall in London, which is just a huge, huge place. They were back there this summer and uh, it's been about a too long year track. And uh, it, it makes sense. You know, they, they want to wrap it up. They want to put this crap behind them. Um litigations he'll mention it briefly they're expensive there's a lot of moving parts to it I, you know I, I feel bad for them why are they getting picked on who knows there's just too many bullies out there and i know in this industry you can find any way to sue someone yeah and on that note <laughs> let's uh <laughs> let's throw it to the interview and talk a little bit more when we come back here we are our interview with steve lukather All right, Steve Lukather, Luke as they call him, the original <laughs> yeah. sole original member, founding member left who co tours constantly. Well, actually, I'm not the sole. Steve Bacaro's yeah. in the band too, so he's in, so <laughs> there's a bunch of guys from the beginning. Sorry to screw you up. But, no, you know. no, no. I uh, please correct. You know, there's a million things on the internet, and there's a million things that that you read. But is it true that you are the sole constant original member? Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm the only guy that's been there from the first downbeat to now what keeps you going like with everybody taking breaks and coming back why is it what keeps you there front and center what about it you know man i've always believed in this band you know from day one we had a great you know the first half of our career was wailing you know what i mean we were doing great and everything and then we've just been, we keep getting kicked off the horse at full speed and we have to you know 
start over again. You know, we've done this several times in the 43 years we've been doing this. And I just always, you know, there were some times when times were tougher. The last five years, you know, ironic, you know, you know, we kind of took over our own business. I've been managing the band and we've got a big, great staff and we look after ourselves and we make all these decisions, you know, and then it's for, it's been for the better because a lot of managers, big time managers, they have like 30 acts, you know, how can you be effective? But believe me, after doing this myself, how can you be effective to that many people? And you can't, mm-hmm. you have to have a big staff and things could go wrong. But and since I'm the only, this is the only thing that I care about. Uh, a lot more extra love and care goes into it, along with having a brilliant staff with Steve Karras and Keith Hagen and all these great people that work around work around me and make me look good, make us look good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for for that, you know, it's just been a hard ride. You know, and, you know this has been the best year of, of our life in terms of touring and around the world and, you know, the success of it and the sales and all the money and the whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, as typical Toto style, somebody comes in and uh, out of bitterness and hatred, sues the hell out of us and wins. And now we're like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I don't understand what it is. You know, people make people millions of dollars and they sue you anyway. It's really pretty fucked up. But that is ungrateful. And- that's all I can say about this before I get sued again. But uh, <laughs> oh I don't want to do yeah, Some people, man, they'll sue you if they stub their toe, man. That's what can I tell you? Uh, you're exactly I guess that's right. what they say. You're, if you're only successful unless you have lawsuits going all the time. Well, guess what? I don't want to be successful then because lawsuits suck ass. <laughs> they do. They do. And that's unfortunate. That's just, you know, it was just in the news. But it happens all the time. You're, I think it was just in the news about how years ago one of those boy bands, their manager screwed them over, and and now you know they sued yeah. them for millions. So it it just happens. But it, now you said this is the best year so far with touring and and the sales and the way it has been. How how so? What you know? How do you compare that to previously? What are you looking at that makes this the best year so far in your history? Um, you just do it, man. This I've been <laughs> doing this since I was like you know. Nine years old. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the good, bad, the ugly, the best of it, the worst of it. Um, it's been my whole life, so I don't know any other life, so I can't really compare it to anything, you know? Right, right. No, it's I... hard for me to do that. I mean, I've done a lot of things, work for a lot of other people, a lot of other people, and I've obviously been working for myself since I was a kid. But um, it, I'm really, the only way to get through all this is just kind of, okay, today is today. Yeah. I don't talk about the past unless somebody asks me about it. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's the way you just keep moving forward, you know. I mean, I'm I'm happy about the past and all the good fortune that's come our way in the last, especially in the last five years. I never really thought things would come up to the level that they have this time, you know. And it's been really uh, it makes me feel good. No matter what happens, at least at this point of the game, I got I you know we got ourselves back to where I think we should be in in terms of the world sage. You know what I mean? Does the and word... I feel really good about that because we've had to work twice as hard as anybody else. For some reason, this has always been it's the upward climb has always been a little steeper for us for whatever particular reason that is. I don't know. We've taken a lot of shit over the last forty three years, but that's kind of turned around a lot now. People are the old guard of you know the punk rock journalists of the seventies, or you know they're either dead or they're eighty years old, and nobody cares. Um, And and I mean, I'm not putting down. Listen, I'm old no. too. I'm not putting down the age thing. I'm just saying they've been <laughs> saying the same shit for all this time. Come on, guys. You know, yeah. don't you have somebody better to pick on than us? Let the music speak for itself. You know, and the music is well. You know, I mean, we transcended good. three generations. You know, our our age group of our audience is anywhere from like kid, little kids to 
75-year-old people, whatever. I mean, it's all in there. Consequently, we've, you know, it's been a great run for this. And all this whole Africa madness just came out of nowhere. Really got a lot of young people interested in what we're doing. And we play, and then they see we got 20 albums out, and all of a sudden our whole catalog starts to go. And we've become this, like, little thing for kids, which would be very interesting to see if that actually went the distance, you know, for college kids or something. To make it a thing, like Jimmy Buffett gets the nothing but, you know, uh, the college kids and Steve Miller and all these kind of bands that just come around every year and it becomes a thing for kids. Maybe we'll, and they, these guys do incredible business. So, well, I'm at my age, I just want to have a good time, make a few bucks, and go home, man. I'm not trying to save the world. I mean, well, music today, in my opinion, with what's out there, and I, I rarely say this, but music today, in my opinion, with very rare exception of of bands that are newer, like the last couple of decades. Shit! Yeah. It is shit. It is computer music. It is you know. Baby, well, it sounds like baby. video game music with lyrics on it. Yeah, yeah. It's and people shouting at you. You know, I mean, the melody is missing. I think that's really what it is. A great pop song. Remember when I was a kid in the '60s and '70s? Every song had great melodies and hooks, and you know, it's like you go, okay, I'm interested in this. You know, I'm like, I really like this. I want to buy this. I mean, when I asked the other day to somebody, somebody's, I'm really honest to God, I'm so wrapped up in what I do and self-absorbed, if you will, and I got a little kids as well as grown kids. I mean, my life is pretty full. I don't have a lot of time to peruse the radio and see what's happening now because mm-hmm. there's so much of it, first off. I mean, how do you weed through the bullshit? But, um, you know, I said, okay, play me the biggest song in the, in the country right now. I want to hear what everyone's flipping out about who's got a 10 trillion streams or whatever to make their five bucks and they played me this like track with this cat rapper and some country guy screaming over it i'm going like this is the best this i remember dropping the needle on intervisions and hearing too high you know what i mean going okay man i don't even, i never even heard about this music but this sucked me in after first two bars you know the which, coolest thing ever which is you know the- and where's that where's the needle drop now man you go it's hard to poke around you know Exactly, which is why I think history will be kinder to Toto than uh, the journalists of the day were, because compared to what we have now... Well, I know why that happened, though. We came out exactly the same time as Punk did, by accident, and, you know, they just made us the antichrist to that, you know? Yeah. I guess it was easy with a stupid name like Toto, but now it's, like, become its own thing. And, I mean, listen, I'm proud of being in my band. I mean, no matter what band you're in, no matter what artist you are, people are going to love you, people are going to hate you. That's just the way it is, the nature of the beast. Yeah. So, and uh, I'm cool with that, man. Shit, we're going to be Family Guy characters. I just saw the cartoon of us really? yesterday howling, laughing. Howling, oh laughing. Oh, my gosh. You know, I love all this shit, man. The, the Jimmy Fallon, I ran into Jimmy Fallon in Philly like five weeks ago. Told him how much I loved the Timberlakes, you know, him and, and Justin Timberlake's takeoff on the Africa thing. I thought, I love all this stuff because it is funny. Yeah, it is. It is just... I don't take, we don't take our, we take our music seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. I get that. Africa was just a, an exercise in production for a bunch of 20-something kids, early 20s, kids you know, in their early 20s, in a recording studio to try to go, how do we overproduce shit? Let's have some fun with this one. Because we heard that, you know, David came in with this great track, you know, this great idea, great, you know, there were great hooky parts and nice melody, but no lyrics. So we just jumped in and started just, producing this thing with all these weird percussion loops and doing all the stuff that we had read about kind of like giving you know the keys to the ferrari to a bunch of kids and letting them have their way with it because we're here we are in the studio we had a big budget we were hanging out we of us were married we were all just being like you know living the life of our dreams you know so we overproduced this big ass track and uh then all of a sudden uh 
Page came in with the lyrics that him and Jeff had worked on. They were like, right. Africa, man, are you serious? Um, so we kind of laughed. It was tongue-in-cheek, and we just said, it was a great track, but this will never do nothing. So we'll bury it as the last song on the four album. And consequently, the rest is history. And, uh, you know, I never was able to call the singles. The only one we all agreed it? on, really. What? Do you get tired of playing it? Live? Nah, I would never play it sitting around my house unless I was joking around. But, uh, you know, when you play it in front of 10,000 people or more, I mean, we're doing 35,000, 50,000 people a night this summer over in Europe, mm-hmm. headlining the big festivals. And um, you come over here, we're selling out the theaters and doing, we're doing much better than we've ever done in the United States in the last few years. So that's trickling over. You know, the whole Africa thing really helped. I mean, the, the, I don't even know where that came from. The EDM guy started it, and then there was some some bands started doing it as like a sort of wink-wink thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just caught on. Everybody started covering it in weird ways, and then the Weezer thing kind of took it over to, to the other more youthful side, which some little girl kind of made that happen. So it all happened by accident. Help them helped us. I mean, you know, I've never spoken to those guys. I mean, it's not like we're piles or nothing, but... You know, nobody can argue with the fact that it, you know, it's helped both of our camps. Of course, those guys, they did something as a joke, and now they have to play it for the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some, there is a, there is, there is a blowback from them having a joke with us, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just. But it's fine. It's really cool. I mean, I like them. I like when they Weezer write some great stuff, man. I mean, I like this thing. I mean, I'm not a hipster, so I'm like, you know, I like all kind of music. You know, I can listen to them. I can listen to. Slipknot and Miles Davis and the uh, Carpenters in the same day. I don't care. I like all this shit. <laughs> play some Motown, then play some Bootsy Collins, and then play some classical music, you know. Mm-hmm. Play some old acoustic music, you know, Pat Metheny. You know what I mean? I, I have a wide palette. Yeah, yeah, and I was actually going to ask about that because Toto, as you know, it was, as I know, because this is etched in history, it's Latin, I think, for all-encompassing or all... Right, I mean, let's let's get real about the name of the band. I mean, Jeff and Pace got stoned and watched The Wizard of Oz and they started writing and all the tape stuff. We found every reason in the world to fucking get away with the fucking Wizard of Oz thing, you know? <laughs> but in fact, I mean, come on, you know what I mean? It is what it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, after 43 years... It can be whatever you want it to be. You know what I mean? Yes, we found out it means a lot of different things around the world, and we kind of drew from that to, you know, just back off the haters, you know? Yeah. Uh, but in, 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 in the end, it's Toto's Toto, and everybody thinks about the little dog, so that's the funny part. So, but what does it mean to you? At this point in the game, I don't care. It, there are worse names, and there are better names, a lot better names. But when we were in the 70s, we couldn't call ourselves the butthole surfers, <laughs> even though that's kind of where my mind went when we were coming up with the name. But the name of our high school band, I like the better anyway, Still Life. That was a cool name. I go, why don't we use that? No, 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 we got to have this. We gotta... At the time, I didn't have much of a say in it. You know, it was Jeff and Dave were calling the shots, so we became Toto. <laughs> I love it. And I, it's just, it's, it's stayed in the culture, and you guys mean a lot to the My favorite song, my favorite song, my favorite Toto song is not Africa, although I love Africa. It's Rosanna. Okay. And... Yeah, man, I think Rosanna's probably, if, if you're going to play one track, you go, play me one song that that defines what Toto is. Mm-hmm. I would play that song because it's all there. It has, the, you know, the incredible Jeff groove that, you know, that he came up with, and it's all of us. I sing, Bobby sings. There's two great solos, keyboards and guitars. There's a great jam at the end. We did it in two takes without no rehearsal, and it was, just became this, I think that's, you know, it has a harder edge, but it has a funkier edge. I mean, I think that's the, 
if I had to pick one song out of the 400 tunes that we've cut, that'd probably be the one to go, okay, if you never heard us, listen to this song. If you like that, then there's a whole bunch of other shit on both sides of the fence. More mellow and more hard edge, more fusion, more pop, whatever you're into, you know, funkier stuff. We like all this different stuff. I, we always thought it was a plus to have <laughs> different singers and different grooves on one record, but uh, it kind of turned on us. The critics didn't like that, I guess. So. I love it. And we as... never stopped doing it, but <laughs> they didn't like it. I love it because every live record that you've done, it's different. It's a different sound. You guys jam on the end there, and I love that about yeah, it. Yeah, but we, you know, we, we are players, and we like to play. I mean, within the context of the hits, there's mm -hmm. room to jam live, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, hell, the end jam of Rosanna was never planned. That was just a, the, Jeff just broke it down. It was supposed to end, and then he didn't want to end it. So we just <laughs> kept jamming, and that's on the record. Does the... That's another thing about today's records. Nobody can jam because mm -hmm. you can't program a jam. No, you can't. I mean, there are jam bands. I mean, there's all these, um, there's a lot of subgenres and a lot of people who can sell out Madison Square Garden that you've never heard of. You know what I mean? This, so kids are finding their own music. That's the difference between now and where I was a kid. You know, there was only certain outlets you could hear music, so everybody was listening to the same stuff. Now, nah, man, it, it's it's all over the map, which I think is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I just don't think everybody that has a computer should be allowed to make a record because they're <laughs> not agree. ready. I agree. I agree. They but, make real professional-looking stuff. You go, wow, look at this. This is real pro. Look at the CD, man. It's all slicked out and everything mm -hmm. like that. It looks like it's going to sound great, and then you listen, and you go, oh, my God. You know, and so, I agree. Know, I, didn't, I didn't get into a recording studio until I've been playing for 14 years, man. I agree, but I think it's a double-edged sword because I'll tell you what. I would not be talking to you if I didn't just one day decide I was going to start a, a podcast, a talk show, and it started as something small and grew into to where I'm talking to people like Steve Lukather from Toto. You know, so I, well, I think if you, I don't think I'm that big of a deal, but thank you for having me on. Well, it's 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 about taking it's about using the tools and taking it seriously and it's easier now than it was when you were learning guitar and you oh, were yeah. learning your interest, instruments to just sort of make it a throwaway because it is so ever present so i totally agree with what you're saying there yeah so i have to I ask know, you know it's just a weird I mean, you got to roll with the changes man I mean, you got to it's weird i mean the way the music business is put out there now with the streaming there's no record stores there's radio plays weird shit and Rock and roll is still out there, but it doesn't get it doesn't get as much of attention as it did when I was a kid. You know? I yeah, you're absolutely right. I have to switch gears here and ask because I'm so concerned. How's the rotator cuff? How's the rotator cuff? Oh man, it's fucked. But you know, it is it, <laughs> I, from the accident four years ago. Uh -huh. I mean, I couldn't get the operation because I could have lost my left hand. Right. And no left hand, uh, game over. You know, I got a lot, a lot of dependents and a lot of special people I look after. So. Um, that was not an option. So the doc who knew who I was goes, don't cut yourself, man. Don't do it. No matter how good a job somebody does, when you cut somebody, you're going to lose something. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with nerves and something as sensitive as my fingers being able to move right, you know? Mm -hmm. I said, so I opted to tough it out. And uh, it's been four years. I mean, it, the pain subsides, but I can't lift anything up. I've lost all my strength in both arms now because I was relying so much on the right arm. I I fucked up that rotator cup. Oh wow! So I'm I'm fucked up on both sides. How do Which you is a drag? Because there's like you know I got an eight year old kid that wants me to pick him up and chuck him around and I can't do that anymore. So I have my older son, who's 32. I go come on, throw the kid around, will you? 
throw your little brother around a little bit. <laughs> so, I mean, he gets all that, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I had to sacrifice for my art, if you will, you know, and then also to be able to keep, you know, 45 people on salary. You know? mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, it doesn't hurt, you know, unless I try to do something I shouldn't. And I just have kind of like, just like getting older, all, all sorts of shit goes south. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, fortunately for me, I mean, I'm so paranoid. I go to the doctor every two months, and I'm having everything checked. I just went, had my body looked at from head to toe by my dermatologist to make sure I don't have skin cancer. And I'm, all kinds of shit that I'm just going, I'm paranoid because so many of my friends are sick or dead. Mm -hmm. So that is really kind of scary. You know, when you get into your 60s, it's like, this ain't funny no more, man. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, I feel great, and my, and my doctor checked me out okay. So maybe being proactive as I've been to catch anything early might help me later in life. Plus, I stopped smoking, drinking, and being a butthole like a liberal, you know, yeah. over 10 years ago. But And that saved my life. But I was a little crazy for a while there. Well, I was a little out of control, and I had to reel myself back in, which I did. And it's fine. I'm much better for it. But, you know. You know, I started as a teenager in the studios with all these big kids, you know, I was playing with the big kids and mm -hmm. probably doing shit little kids shouldn't do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You I... know, trying to keep up with the big kids and it was a much more innocent, oh no, everything's cool, man, this shit's all good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh... The big lie, oh, of course it's not, of course it's good for me, you know? <laughs> Uh, you know, and it didn't really get out of control until much later in life when you've been doing it. You know, and all of a sudden every night becomes Saturday night and you get older. It's just, it's just, it's a young man's game if you need to do it at all, you know. Yeah. I would suggest avoiding it, but, you know, I got kids of all ages, so I know just say no is not really an option, you know. Yeah. It's not realistic. Just say maybe be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best you can hope for at this point, you know. Be careful. Be careful. It's yeah. uh, now speaking of those forty-three years. You have a new uh, CD and DVD, forty tours around the sun. The CD came out last year, but it was re-released with the yeah. DVD, yeah, no, we correct? had litigation issues, man. We've been right. having the worst lawsuit shit that I and I can't really get deep into it because oh, sure. I want to no, no, sue no. it again. But it's been brutal, and it's been ongoing for a really long time and incredibly expensive, and it's caused a lot of shit behind the scenes with us and financially it's just crazy it's just you know it's somebody just out of hate revenge we don't even understand what kind of a grudge fuck this is but we've had to deal with it no matter what you know mm -hmm. if somebody brings a lawsuit on you you can't just go i don't want to do this anymore you actually have to fight the war whether you want to or not exactly and we lost this particular war after a brutal and expensive ride you know so we're trying to figure out we're doing this last run here and then putting it to bed and seeing what happens next. I have to kind of regroup and get away. We've been working so hard the last 10 years that to was... build this thing up to where it is right now. It's, it, you know, our, even our agent said, look, you know, take a break, man. You guys have been working hard. You know, how can I miss you if you never leave? We can't tour every year, you know. Right. So that was going to be the question because you, you said something similar in another, in another interview that you gave. Uh, you said that uh, – it, it won't look like it looks in its current form after this date, after the... Yeah, no, it won't be the same. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that. Because, I mean, there's just a few of us, and then we you know, hire some side guys. That are, they're really good, but, you know, I, at this point in time, we got to go, let it go and take another look at it 
you know, mm-hmm. after a really long break. Are you, does yeah, that been, like make said, you nervous? You does know, that does resting make me nervous? No, yeah. I'm already booked up solid next year, man. Doing other stuff. I'm not nervous at all. I mean, you know, it's it's cool to, to walk away for a while. I mean, we've done it before. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not. It's just things are really tense, and we have to really, you know, there's a lot of debt. There's a lot of things we got to look at. So, without getting any more into that, no, of course. Just, as great as everything is, there's a dark side that no one sees. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what makes people crazy. The <laughs> stuff that—that's the stuff that no one sees. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, I, you know, my book was out. That did really well, and now yeah. they've asked me to do another one. So there'll be a lot of questions answered in my book. So it'd take me a couple of years to do it, like the last one did. But uh, I can take the gloves off and tell some truth that I couldn't before. That's good, and and I love the book. As soon as we booked this interview, I, I went on to iTunes and bought the book, and it's just you are so candid, and your personality has been so candid through all these years that it, <laughs> well, it's kind of scary to me because I did, you know, I didn't think anybody was going to read this fucking thing. I didn't want to do it. They came with me. They asked me to do it. Yeah, I'm going. Who the fuck wants to read about me, man? <laughs> and they said, No, you've got a great story that needs to be told. I'm going, really? You think so? Mm-hmm. And I was really apprehensive, and it took me a couple of years to do this. I had a great co-writer in the UK, but I ended up having to write, rewrite the entire book myself again because it didn't sound like me, and it wasn't funny. I go, this dude, I'm a funny dude. You gotta, you gotta show my real personality, the way I really talk, as raw as that might be. Sorry, you know that's the way I am. Mm-hmm. And people seem to connect with the fact that most of the comments are like, dude, it really sounds like you, you know? Yeah. And that, but you know, that's, I wanted it to be real. If not, to me, it's not, I'm not going to win a Pulitzer Prize on this, but, uh, you know, I told my little story best I could. That's great. And it, it is great. And it's great that you're going to do another one and, and really be more honest. When I asked about the DVD, I had no clue that the lawsuit was, that there was stuff attached to it. I didn't, I hadn't even heard of it. And all the research I'd been doing, yeah, man, I hadn't well, it was heard like of gag all that order stuff. shit, you know? Oh, my gosh. That's it's cr- just brutal, man. You know, it, it, I wish I could explain it, but, you know, I'm going to have to take some time to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, write what I write. Yeah. But, now, right now, I just want to get through the next month and really have a great time with all my boys and go out with a bang on this one. I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm never going to play the music again or anything. Right. I just know that in this configuration and this time in our life, we have to let it go. And I think if and when it ever comes back, it would be different anyway. So yeah. I don't even know if it's going to come back. So I really right now, I just got to get through the month and have a good time. And in Philadelphia on October 20th, wave goodbye to the audience and... Thank you very much. Maybe we'll see you again. What do you That's think you'll feel? That's all you can say at this point. On that night, what do you think you'll feel? How do I feel? I don't know, man. I have to get there. But, you know, like I said, I'm not dead. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's, you know, everything takes, you know, a lot of people need to take breaks. A lot of people need to maybe stop. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We've had so much turmoil. I think we have to get through that emotionally and financially and see where we stand at the end of that. Yeah. Now, since you are being candid, I, could, I, would, I mean, it, we don't know. We're right now we're at the top of the game, so right. it's kind of if you're going to walk away, it's not like we're not like it's not like we're playing in a club in Needles, California, or something like that. No, I get you it. You know, just drunk and trying to get through a hole of the line to get paid our fucking two grand or whatever. You know, that would really be sad. <laughs> yes, it would. You know, so if we're going out right now and just going to put it to bed or whatever we're going to do with it, you know, now is a good time. Yeah, that's. I agree with you, and it's amazing that you're just 
you kind of whatever about it. That's, and that way, if we ever do come back, you know, I mean, people will be like hungry for it again. They go, oh, those were, they were great. Let's go see them again. You know? Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Well, I mean, that's, a, that's what we hope, you know. <laughs> so my last question for you is stadiums, arenas, theaters. If you could pick to play for the rest of your life or maybe you want to do Oh, it, man, how about all of them? Yeah. And throw clubs in, too. I do so many different projects, weird little fusion things that only really work in a club setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have the theaters that we're doing in the U.S., which are really nice. And I do them with Ringo, too. Then you stay and play the nice theaters. You can make great, have a great career doing theaters. Right. And in Europe, we do arenas, and we headline the big festivals, and we do big shows um, all over the place, all over the world. It's like that. You know, we we had the highest grossing ever at the Budokan this year, you know what I mean, oh, wow. in Japan. So it was really a thrill for us, you know. To, after all these years to get things like that thrown at us, you know, and have all these people giving us, you know, multi-platinum records all over the place, you know, in a time when that's like a unicorn, mm-hmm. you know, but we've had a long career and our records have consistently sold, believe it or not. We've got a billion streams. Oh, wow. Now, in terms of financially, that sounds really impressive, but it's not that much money at the end of the day. When right. you split it all up and pay taxes, it's, you know... It sounds like you'd be making gazillion dollars, but you're not. Mm-hmm. So, and then trying to get it out of them, you have you know, it's, it's easier than trying to find gold nuggets in your dog's stool, you know. <laughs> exactly, you know, music is. Becoming... You know what I mean? These guys like you know, they'll, 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 you know, mm-hmm. there might be money there, but they're hiding it in their assholes, and they ain't fucking showing it to anybody. You know? No, it's so wrong. So and... it's tough for me. I find out all these things as being management now, so I have to chase our money too, and that's auditing and all this crap it's so tedious and getting up more of your percentage it's just why can't you just go by the contract that we signed for life in 1977 and do what's in that and we'd be okay but no technology changes (laughs) you know they have have to arm wrestle for your money meanwhile they take the first dollar from the first record it's like wow dude that's just not fair but hey who said life is fair I do good. I'm not complaining. I'm knock on wood. Thank you, Lord Jesus, or whatever, Buddha, whatever you're into. And uh, I'm very grateful for everything. But, you know, it's really skewed towards the corporation, not the artist. Mm -hmm. So many people think that we just wipe our asses with $1,000 bills. First off, it takes years to get paid. They're so far behind. They just find every reason in the world not to pay. So live is really where we we play the gig, we get paid. That's a for sure thing. Mm Mm-hmm. The rest you got to pull. It's like pulling teeth. Yeah. I, I, but, you know, that's part of the process. It's the music business. It was. I wish it was just the music, and it would end right there. But, uh, you know, that's the reward. We don't get paid for the time on stage. Man, that's for free. Please. <laughs> that's where we lose ourselves. It's the most fun we could possibly have of every day. It's the other 20, you know, 21 hours where we're stuck in a room where... I've seen every touristy thing around the world there is over the last 43 years and change. So, I mean, I've become rather reclusive. I don't party, so I do the gig and come back to my room and study shit, read. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just, I've roasted into my older age, you know, with a big smile on my face going, look, I partied for a hundred lifetimes. You know what I mean? I did all that. Now I'm, I feel great, you know? Sleep is the new drug, you know? <laughs> I agree there. 
I love doing that interview. I mean, initially it was an interview for an article, and then I called you. I said, we've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. This is it because I can't transcribe that. He was everywhere, and I loved it. And I, I don't know that I've ever talked with somebody about a lawsuit and had a smile on my face doing it. I mean, he's <laughs> just and And there's brilliant. no way to truncate that interview. I mean, usually – yeah. I'll I'll do the same. I'll record it and then I'll listen through 20 minutes. And for a while there, I would take certain areas of it and I would just transcribe it and then put the audio up on YouTube with a picture of them and our logo. And, you know, it's just that's a lot to sit through. So making this a podcast was definitely the, the right call. We we invested into it and we, we decided, you know, let's let's expand the Music Universe website beyond just a, a news site. Let's do a podcast because we talk so much we can we can literally record every conversation and make a new podcast out of it. Oh, I, I 100%, 100% agree. Uh, it's just funny that he said, okay, now those guys that covered Africa and it took off, they have to perform that stupid song <laughs> for the rest of their lives. I know. As a performer, you eventually get tired of doing the same songs. But, you know, I, I was told by management, hey, whatever you write, you better be married to it because your fans are going to want you to play it every night. And mm -hmm. that that's what happens. So I'm glad he's married to it. And, hey, hopefully it's done him well. <laughs> like, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a really strange example. We went to see the... Uh, I didn't review it. This was something for, for another thing. I went to see the uh, uh, First Ladies of Disco when they were at Joe's Pub here in the city. Yeah. And now they are Norma Jean Wright. It was Norma Jean Wright, somebody else, and Martha Wash. Uh, it was, I think, Linda Clifford and Martha Wash. And it was their holiday show, but they promised that they would do some disco standards at the end. Now, Martha Wash is one half of the Weather Girls, and w the Weather Girls are known for It's Rain and Men. And yes, that's an LGBT club song, but it was written by Paul Schaefer, and it has a really interesting his history. And I don't think there's anybody in the world, gay or not, that doesn't know what that song is or hasn't at least heard it somewhere. So right. that that is one of the most ubiquitous songs, not only in disco music, but in in music in general. And it shows the power of this woman's voice. And she has one of the top ten voices I've ever heard. She doesn't do the song at wow. this show. And the crowd, I've never seen a crowd demand an encore. But we were there for ten minutes slamming tables and clapping and cheering and so, some people were screaming out, it's raining man, Martha, come back, come back, come back. So you got to be married to And I, I And she still never came back to do it? They never came back. In wow. fact, the other two, I think, missed out on some of their bigger hits. They never came back to, to do that song. And, and it pissed me off. And I, I said well, to yeah. the manager, and, and I was representing another manager at the time that was trying to book the show, but I sent to the like office, said to the main manager that like works directly with all three, three girls. I said, three ladies, I should say. I said, you have to let that. You have to. Speaking for myself, I said, you have to let them do their hits. I said, I understand it's a Christmas show and it's going to be three fourths that, and it was beautiful for what it was, but they were in there demanding. And he was like, yeah, I think we got to retool it. Because they were demanding yeah. 
but at least Martha come back out and do It's Raining Men. And the only time I saw anybody do that song was Paul Schaefer at a radio event. It was really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the moral of that story is do the songs you're known for and your fans will stick with you. If you don't do the songs you're known for, I think the audience will think you're above them. Um, or w- well, yeah. I mean, e- any artist that we've reported on that does a Christmas tour, it, it'll say in there with their hits. Because mm-hmm. you, you you throw the Christmas songs in there or you throw the hits wrapped around a, you know, a Christmas theme, but you don't, you don't just ig- blatantly ignore... Mm-hmm. 10 minutes of screaming fans that's not going to get you anywhere it's going to lose people yeah all right well make sure you visit themusicuniverse.com we have all the information including the link to toto's website to get the tickets for your specific date i cannot wait to get backstage and meet with luke he invited me back uh in fact i think we cut that out of the interview we're recording this and we haven't edited the interview but i think i'm going to cut that out because we kind of wrapped but i kept it running he invited me back and we're going to head back and say hello to him and the rest of toto and i'm really excited to see these world-class musicians do what they do best and you know one last thing i couldn't help but sort of draw parallels to rush rush always had a crap reputation journalists couldn't figure Mm -hmm. out what to do with them journalists couldn't figure out what to do with toto but as i said in the interview you know I think history is going to be kinder because they're real musicians compared to what goes on today. And yes, it takes real skill to work a computer and to create those loops. And that's a talent, but it can't be played live in the same way that guys like Toto can create and recreate their music every single night. That is another podcast subject (laughs) because that is a very sore one for someone like me who's a drummer. And I know a lot of people in the industry and they have to program stuff. Don't know if they like it. It's part of their job. They do it. They don't complain. But I, I'm a realist when it comes to music, so uh, that, that'll be another, another one we can get into at a later time. The point is just if you want to hear real musicians at the top of their game, people who have played on over 5,000 recordings, 5,000 yeah, recordings it, of major it's artists, unbelievable. you have to go see Toto. It's really, really. They, uh, I'm super excited. I'm really excited, and I don't go I out know, to Jersey I wish, for just anybody. <laughs> I, I wish I could make it to the LA show, to, show, but um, you know, it it is what it is. But you're gonna have fun, and it tells you what a class act Luke is to invite you in the middle of an interview to go backstage and say hi. Just a down to earth, really cool guy, and he said, "You have my number now," and just you know, stay in touch. And, you know, I, I'm excited. That's what I love about this job is we meet people and we make new friends and, and that, which I think will lead into our next episode, whenever we air it on the practice of establishing relationships in Nashville and other music communities. But I think the term we're going to talk about in our next podcast uh, is used mainly in Nashville. And I think you and I will have some pretty interesting thoughts on that, but until <laughs> then signing off, I'm Matt Bailey. And I'm Buddy On. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh.